everyone. I'm Kirsten Moorfield. Welcome to People Are Complicated, a podcast produced by Cloverleaf, where we dive into all the ways that people are complicated at work and how you can turn those moments of tension into deep relationships and work that makes you proud. Darren. Yeah. Welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> on, on the podcast. This is the first sighting of the CEO of Cloverleaf. I just on the think podcast. that's like the obligatory thing that you're supposed to say is like, thanks, thanks for, for having, having me. me. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really excited to talk to you today, Kirsten. <laughs> I know. I never get to talk to you, Darren. <laughs> never. Ever. Yeah. Okay. So for everyone listening, Darren and I are co-founders of Cloverleaf. And so we're being facetious because yeah. we talk all the time. Every day. Every yeah. day. But usually actually not about as fun of things as we're going to talk about today. No, not really. Usually it's we're trying to accomplish something. Yes. Exactly. Darren, we're talking about our boss to coach playbook, which is fantastic. The more I look through it, I just feel like our team crushed it. It really is. It's great. Very practical, very to the point. So if you haven't had a chance to download it, read through it, we highly recommend you go find it. Uh, It'll be linked in the show notes. So we are talking today about chapter five, which is coaching skills for managers. So really, it starts with active listening. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing is uh, when I think about active listening, you can't listen if you don't shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's such a simple thing, but it's really not, especially for someone that's a strong D like Like me. And we have a a whole company full of really strong Ds. Um, And I think that's maybe the most challenging uh, like barrier inhibitor to listening. I've been personally challenged with that. Um, And I think especially the more that we're not really involved as much in the day to day, 100% the more we need to be listening because we not only don't have the answers, nor have we ever really maybe ever had the answers, maybe if you ask other people <laughs> um, in our company, but I think even more so the further we get removed, right? Yeah. So it's about asking really good questions, which is the other kind of note that I have about listening is asking really good questions. But if you're consuming 60% of the airtime, it's yep. impossible to listen. It's kind of been a personal goal of mine for the last year to two years is to talk less. Um, yeah. And I have to constantly remind myself, talk less. Like in Hamilton, talk less, smile more. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> the interesting thing too is I think when you think about coaching, um, it's oftentimes people think about it in a one-on-one context. Yep. But it often isn't just yep. in a one-on-one context. Mm-hmm. And so the other piece of that is not just asking good questions to an individual, but also making sure that everyone gets an opportunity to contribute, specifically calling individuals out to say, well, what do you think about that? Looking at those like subtle cues around the room. Is it clear that someone wants to say something, but they don't have the airtime or some fear or some mm-hmm. you know uh, lie that maybe they're even telling themselves about this idea or this thought that they have that isn't valuable enough to be spoken spoken out loud. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say is that it is about harvesting information, like getting input from people who have a perspective that you won't have. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you talk the whole time, you'll never gain additional perspective. For me, a perfect example of this, having kids that are in middle school and and early high school is, you know, if you just say, how's your day? Fine. That's good. But if you ask specific questions about, well, who did you sit with at lunch? And what yep. did you talk about? And how did Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so react? You know, Or how yep. was that test? I know you had a test today. Yep. Did you do well? How did you feel like you performed? Did you get a grade on that? Or do you have to wait a few days? And it's no different in a work environment, right? Yeah, if, if you're you not just asking, ask, like, well, so, so what do you guys think? 
<laughs> yeah, you're not going to get it. Uh, I, like a really good example too in our own team is we use fifteen five. Shout out to fifteen five. They didn't yes. pay us for this. Maybe, but you know, we should we... go back to them and be like, hey, <laughs> you know, we talk about you in our podcast because we there's love a sponsorship you. opportunity. Here. <laughs> yeah. And you know, we've used fifteen five for probably I don't know a year and a half, almost mm-hmm. two years now. Yeah. Um, and we use it for check-ins and mm-hmm. one-on-ones. Super and helpful. one of the coolest things, this is so simple. Um, we hired Tiana as our head of people. Mm-hmm. Tiana's awesome. Again, shout out to shout Tiana. Shout out to Tiana. And she did such a simple thing, but she added two or three prompts or questions. Um, and this was a, a feature, a capability that already existed inside of 15.5. But uh, she was really thoughtful about the questions that she put in there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we drafted our own mm-hmm. and she's rotating those questions periodically. And we get so much, we have so much better conversations in yep. our one-on-ones because yep. of those prompts. And in their check-ins, they're filling that stuff out. And it just gives us so much more opportunity to have meaningful conversation. It's a perfect example, even in a digital form, of where asking the right questions are really, really important. So helpful. Yeah. Okay. So what you're getting at, Darren, is it's important to be quiet so that you can hear. It's important to ask really good questions so that you get input. It's important to call on people who aren't speaking up, whether it looks like they really want to or they're just, you know, sitting there thinking. And all of that is to the end of like really you don't know. You don't know everything. You don't have all the answers. What yeah. a what a challenge and freedom to a leader. That's right. And um and so when you can create that environment for your people where they can speak up and where you're actually prompting the right thoughts with them, that leads us to the best outcomes. And that's that's like the baseline of becoming a coach to your people over being just a normal boss. That's right. Yeah. And then there is this like last little thing that we talk about in this chapter five uh, on coaching, which is goal setting. Yeah, that's so important. If I shut up and I listen, right? I'm asking good questions and I'm getting all this really great feedback. What's the outcome? What are we going to do about this? Like, is there something to do? Sometimes like doing nothing is the right thing. You just need to be a sounding board for Mm -hmm. people, right? And even asking that question is really important. Like, what what do you need from me in Mm -hmm. this conversation, right? How can I be helpful? How can I be helpful? Mm -hmm. But goal setting and results and creating accountability is still an important element of coaching. So we don't want to leave that part out, but you can never get to goal setting and results if you're not doing those other things that we've spent most of this time talking about. Totally. And another shout out to 15.5 because what's the point of setting a goal if you can't track it? And so we we do all that again in 15.5. No, seriously. One of, the, one of the things that stresses me out is when at the end of a meeting, we're like, okay, well, here's the resolution. Here's what we'll do. And I'm like, nobody wrote that down. And who owns that? And yeah. will we even remember that we just said that? <laughs> so another it's shout out literally the worst. to 15.5. And I think another thing, I want to give a shout out to the book, When They Win, You Win by Russ Laraway about really good management, really. And he talks so much about how one of the most important things for you to do is to remove things from your people. So the goal is not always to set new goals. The goal is sometimes to say, hey, the goal here is to stop doing this or to delegate this thing. Not always like, now you have more work to do. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the the interesting thing is I mentioned those prompts in 15.5. I just had a one-on-one yesterday with with one of of our leaders. This person wrote really great feedback on those prompts, right? Mm -hmm. Those question prompts. Mm -hmm. And... I actually just restated what this person said mm-hmm. to say like, hey, am I am I hearing this right? Amen. Yeah. And then I know that you're doing X, Y, and Z, which mm-hmm. feels like 
the right things to be doing to address these things that you've identified, right? Mm-hmm. And we were able to do that electronically through fifteen mm-hmm. five, mm-hmm. and so like we were actually able to like shortcut some of that conversation just because we had part of it digitally before we ever walked in the in the quote unquote Zoom room with each other. Um, so yeah, and Zoom. I mean, yeah. another shout out, right? We really should be getting sponsors for this <laughs> podcast. What are we doing? Tools. I think that really what you did there was active listening. You're like, hey, what I hear you saying is X, Y, Z. Is that right? And they were like able to go deeper, clarify yeah. better. That's such yeah. a such a practical active listening tool. If you are a manager, a leader, you should definitely go check out chapter five in our boss to coach playbook because it has practical word for word questions you can ask prompts that will help you practice active listening and better questioning and goal setting with your people. And today we are going to talk about chapter six, which is like the landscape of coaching. What, what are all the different types of coaching out there that are available to people? And uh, really what's our take on the the, the future of coaching? Because we do spend all of our days thinking and talking about coaching. Yeah, no, we do. Um, I, you know, I think if you're only on Instagram, you might think only life coaching is <laughs> coaching. Um, that's not the case. It is yeah, a huge market, though. There's a lot of life market, coaching. And there's market. other kinds of coaching, too. Yeah, and actually, uh, so let's just sit on that for a second because... Educate us. Well, we talk oftentimes about how this industry is very similar to, like, um, physical training, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, health yeah. health coaching, mm-hmm. um, if you will. Uh, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And um, that like 20 years ago, before Fitbit, there was, you know, you'd had to get a personal trainer mm-hmm. and you would hire somebody and they would come along and maybe they'd yell at you to like mm-hmm. do more setups or whatever. Mm-hmm. You'd go to a gym and maybe you would take some aerobics classes and like mm-hmm. there are all these different places that you were working on yourself. You're trying to get your body to perform better and to be healthier. A lot of different ways you could spend money on that. Yeah. And Fitbit comes along, right? And they're like, no, you should track all of this stuff and you should know what your heart rate is and you should Even know. Even when you're sleeping. Yeah, you should know what kind of sleep you're getting mm-hmm. and um, you know track your workouts and your steps and do mm-hmm. all the things. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden we've got this explosion in data. Mm-hmm. And you know, it wasn't that all of a sudden that replaced personal trainers. In fact, like oh, no. the market for personal training and exercise yep. programs, like yep. we're both Orange Theory junkies. Junkie. Again, shout out to Orange Theory. Love and, Orange Theory. Uh, maybe that could be a future sponsor for us as well. <laughs> you know, like there's an explosion of, of gyms and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the overall market has actually expanded and mm-hmm. exploded, right? Mm-hmm. Because now we actually have data to prove that like, oh no, we're actually, we really are getting terrible sleep and that, that can actually diminish our ability to perform in all these different areas of our life. I think we're kind of in a similar space, right? With like professional workplace coaching. And, you know, I think typically how people think about that is executive coaching, right? Which has been like the top 20 or 30 people in an organization. And, you know, they get really smart people who have been there and done that stuff before. And, you know, they pay, you know, we expensive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've had some um, coaches tell us that they charge as many as thousands of dollars an hour, yep. you know? Yep. So that obviously is cost prohibitive, and you can't do that across the entire, entire organization. So 
how do we layer this, right? How do we create tools and solutions that can serve everyone in your organization, not just the top 20 or 30 people? And so, you know, one of the things that we are doing that's new and unique and innovative in the space is this idea of micro coaching, yep. um, automated coaching. You know, yep. there's, we're, we're still trying to figure out what the names of that looks like. Some people <laughs> will say AI coaching, although I think that's, a little misleading. You yeah. can put AI in front of anything. Yeah. Um, so actually, listeners, let us know what you think we should call absolutely. it. Comment <laughs> below. Comment below and tell us what you think we do. We call it automated coaching because it is based off of all this data yeah. and it is automated. Micro coaching, you know, like, I mean, it's small bite size pieces of coaching, digital coaching. In the flow of work. I mean, there's lots of different, yeah, someday the the market will coalesce around some naming and and hopefully we help drive that. Um, We'll see. But the whole idea there is really two kind of key or important elements. One is that it is small and it's bite size. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this constant drip of relevant coaching content is really important. And part of that, you know, in the early days of creating Cloverleaf, you and I, if we can both go back to these really dark places. Um, the dark places of starting a business. They weren't all dark, but <laughs> there were definitely some dark ones. There's challenges um, with starting your own venture. Yes. And it's worth it. I remember somebody shared with us a McKinsey article, or maybe we were like searching one day and found it. I have no yeah. idea how we stumbled upon it, but yeah. it was really important. And it was about um, uh, leadership development. And they said that, you know, in order to change behavior, you have to practice something 20 to 30 times. And they actually, yep. it was a study and they had all these impressive data points and graphs in this article. Mm-hmm. But like, even before that McKinsey article, like there had been a lot of research and studies that said like, hey, you have to actually practice something multiple times to get good at it. I know it's like yeah. a shocking concept, right? Let well, me- and specifically in the McKinsey article, they talked about being exposed to the information 10, 20, 30, 40 times. And the more that that happens, the more it's proven to actually change behavior. Like you're going to remember it. And so another thing I talk about a lot is the Ebbinghaus curve, the forgetting curve, where if you just are presented a piece of information one time, you're going to forget 95% of it within, I think, six days. So trainings are good. Coaching sessions are great, really great. And you just can't possibly retain all of the information from that hour, half hour, whatever session you had. That's right. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, I mean, we'll talk to people about like, you know, because they'll be like, well, what's the ROI on Cloverleaf? And I'm like, well, I don't, what's the ROI on the coach that you have, right? Or the and, assessment that you do or the training that you right. do. So I was like, how do you yeah. know that that is successful, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay. Like uh, there were three or four new insights that I got. Okay, cool. Three or four insights once a month. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. But what if we could integrate in the tools that you use every day and we could give you five of those a day? How much more would that drive behavior? Would it improve your communication, your collaboration, your teamwork, uh, yep. the trust uh, yep. on the team? All of these different elements that like most organizations say they want, but you can't in most situations prove that the investment that you're making in those learning whatever it is, learning broadly speaking, coaching is an element of that, that you can't actually prove. And so we actually have data points to support that. So I think the repetition, those like micro doses, if you will, of coaching content that actually drive you to something bigger is one key element. I think the other thing is the embedded nature of it, right? Because again, let's go back to a traditional coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we're not we're not saying any of this stuff because we're down on coaches, right? Well, we like we think it's awesome. 
and yeah. I think the more you can have a, a human coach doing that along with this you know automated solution that supports it we're demonstrating that the effectiveness of that coaching goes up it's and just like the data from my Orange Theory band, along with my coach from Orange Theory, along with all my peers in Orange Theory, making me think, shoot, she turned her speed up. I could do that too, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's all, it's um, all connected. I think if that person is only there one hour a month mm-hmm. and it's a set aside time versus a tool that mm-hmm. actually embeds with, and one of the things that we've done a little bit of research on is that you know the average uh, employee interacts with other people 119 times uh, on an average workday through technology through technology Slack, right. Microsoft Teams, emails. emails. Yep, and yeah. it's not 119 unique individuals, right? No. But like there's 119 individual interactions. Mm-hmm. 20 of those could have been with the same person. That's a lot of opportunity to speak specifically into that relational dynamic, that specific challenge mm-hmm. that those two people might end up having or could be an inhibitor or a blocker to effective communication collaboration and so like that really being embedded and integrated you know we spoke with somebody recently and they were kind of like it's the you know the angel on your shoulder Mm -hmm. right because they're like just always at your shoulder yeah and uh cloverleaf is kind of that angel that sits on your shoulder and like speaks the you know the the truth of the situation into the into the specific scenario yeah it sounds like you believe in digital coaching nudges i mean i think we probably should believe in that um it is it is our business uh, so what? i know we can't be passionate about it but yeah, yeah. but I, the reason why i say all this isn't necessarily be like wow cloverleaf is awesome but it's like no these are proven techniques right like and that mckenzie article yeah, yeah this is the future and we should be leveraging technology mm-hmm. to bring coaching to people where and when they need it mm-hmm. and so it just kind of makes sense. Like it's proven learning theory and development theory and pairing that with the use of technology. And, you know, we've got a generation entering the workforce today that have spent literally their entire lives on digital tools, right? They're digital yep. natives using the tools that they're comfortable with and they're used to and mm-hmm. speaking into situations um, in a way that's really relevant to them just makes sense. And when people receive digital coaching, what are the outcomes they get to experience? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, we've had so many different studies. I mean, better leadership effectiveness, Mm -hmm. uh, better ability to understand their strengths and how to use those strengths and the Mm -hmm. work that they're doing on a daily basis, improve communication, less conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, conflict is, can be good, but unnecessary conflict or, you know, dysfunctional conflict Mm -hmm. is not good. Mm -hmm. And so the ability to self-manage through that conflict Mm -hmm. is also a really powerful uh, change element. I mean, those are just a few, but but I mean, oftentimes what we're doing is really kind of linking Cloverleaf to some of the specific talent goals. Mm-hmm. I think most organizations will tell you they want to improve soft skills. That's self-awareness. It's um, emotional intelligence. It's the ability to better empathize with others, right? But unfortunately, there's just not a lot of tools and solutions on the market that really actually help drive that to something mm-hmm. better. Yeah. And why would leaders want that? What happens for an organization when people experience more self-awareness, more empathy, yeah. more emotional intelligence? Well, I mean, first and foremost, it's a better workplace. Yeah. Right? Like, it's a more enjoyable experience. I don't know about you, but like, I really, I like to like the environment that I'm working in yes. and the people yeah. that I'm working with. Yeah. And so I think that's like the very first kind of baseline level thing is mm-hmm. that like, it's, 
it's a more enjoyable experience. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the reality is like, hey, we're also focused on being effective at the work that we're doing. And we want to make more money. We want to, you know, have promotions. We want to and expand our influence mm-hmm. and win in the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. Those are all things that people, I think, want to accomplish. And so this is this is a way that they can do that. So one of my favorite points of feedback we ever got was from an employee who said, I used to think so-and-so was a jerk, and then I realized I was contributing to how they reacted to me. And I was like, hallelujah. Win. Because That's a win. when you just think they're a jerk, there's nothing you can do. You're you're stuck in that situation. It's a value when, judgment. Yeah. And you're judging character, yeah. which is really unfortunate. Yeah. But when you realize the power you have in the scenario, you can change that. And then what that changes is the next time they come to you with a problem, a solution, or whatever, you're not quickly going to be like, well, that person's just a jerk. You're going to say, well, let's work on this together. Let's solve this. And <laughs> when that happens throughout an entire organization, you solve problems better and that's like ultimately how value is created in a knowledge-based economy is how people work together that's right and that was a lot well chapter six is just <laughs> meaty well, right it's what, like it's what you and i have literally dedicated the past like 10 years to so yeah and actually like i hope we didn't just oversell what chapter six <laughs> is like i don't know that you're gonna get all that out of chapter six you'll get but, it here on this podcast yeah you, you definitely it's it's awesome definitely check out chapter six but Yes, and, we are really passionate about this. And check out automated coaching for yourself. Go to cloverleaf.me, sign up for a free trial. You'll get unlimited teammates, free behavioral and personality and strengths assessments. That's right. And experience how that is turned into automated coaching that improves relationships and work outcomes. Chapter seven in the Boss to Coach playbook is all about how to give positive and constructive feedback with examples. So Darren, do you have a story of when you have given or received a good or bad example of feedback? That is a broad question <laughs> oh my for gosh. you. <laughs> no, I've, I've, I mean, I've got some really funny ones. Like uh, I had a performance review once and it was clear they had just copied and pasted all the all the feedback because it had a different pronoun in it. And oh, so it was, like, it, it was, they copied feedback they had given to a female yeah. and they copied it to you. Yeah. Yeah, and they left all the pronouns from the other person. So that was like, but that's not the kind of positive and constructive feedback that we're talking about here, right? Like, yeah, somebody trying to not do their job. That was exactly someone not doing their job. Actually, my story. I'm totally going to turn this back on you because I feel like my example was something I saw you do. Oh, thank you. Last week. I hope it was a good example. I think it was. I I I think it was. Okay, great. Um, What was it? But we had a leadership retreat we're yep. planning for 2023 yep 2023 um, got our team together we're talking about um big goals and what we want to accomplish in 2023 yep. and uh you set out some ground rules at the very beginning it was really good and okay. one of the things we talked about was this idea of generative feedback oh yeah i think it definitely had an impact on some people on our team because yeah. i think we'd fallen into maybe a little bit of a bad trap of just kind of saying i just disagree with that thing mm-hmm. or like it doesn't feel right mm-hmm. and you know that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so what is generative feedback, Darren? Well, I was going to kick this to you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so why don't you tell everybody how yeah. you set this up for folks. and? Yeah, so, yeah. so we had nine leaders together for a day to do some really hard problem solving together. And at the beginning, like Darren said, I laid a couple of ground rules. One of them was generative feedback. If you have feedback to give, it cannot be, I just don't like that, or I don't think that's going to work, or you know, something that just ends with a, 
disapproval, right? Yep. It has to always come with a suggestion or a thought-provoking question. So like, you know, I'm, I'm concerned that w- won't work. How do you think we might overcome the obstacle of XYZ? Yep. Right. And I think this is really hard too for our verbal processors out there, right? Because, and we have people on our team who I think really they are able to process and get to better solutions if they can process it out loud with other people. Which is very expensive use of time if there's nine people who need to do that. And so it is hard. It is hard and it's not, it's not always necessary. And I think actually, especially in one-on-one, sometimes it's best as a leader to turn it into a coaching situation where you allow external processing to happen. Um, but yeah, in group settings, yeah, there's just not always, it's not a good use of it. Not very productive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, 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 I love that. I, I learned that actually from Disney. <laughs> Apparently that's something that oh Disney does. Oh my gosh, does. which movie? No, 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 no. Like the Disney TV. Oh, I thought you were like, like watching Mulan or something. Oh, no, no, no. And then, you know. But I am a fan. I'll make a man out of you. Yeah. I'm a fan of that movie. But, um, or I was when I was a kid. It's been a while. I was but, like, wow, these uh, new animated films that Disney are putting out is getting pretty heady. <laughs> I mean, some serious life no, and workplace lessons. It's, it's a technique that their storytellers, animators, illustrators use together because they're constantly reviewing each other's work and they'll have I guess like weekly group meetings where they're critiquing and reviewing what's been done that week and they're not allowed to just say hey I don't like that everything everything that is constructive feedback has to actually be constructive it has to actually come with a suggestion so stole that one from Disney thanks Disney um so yeah that's actually a great example Darren in group settings what about one-on-one because it is different in one-on-one as a manager what is a helpful way to give Let's start with the hardest one. What's a what's a helpful way to give feedback on hey this this isn't working well. You're not going fast enough. We need to improve XYZ and I don't see you doing it or you're slacking lately. Yeah, I well, I mean, first off, I'm probably not the example that we <laughs> give on this. Why would you say that? I think you are. I would say, I mean, you know, I'm just gonna step back and say, like, like I can give good feedback. Sometimes I also don't have a good suggestion, right? Like yeah. I can sense or feel like we're all very intuitive here at Cloverleaf, right? Yeah. Like it's kind of a way that we um, are able to process and see the world and and Oftentimes, I have an, a, a feeling or a sense or an mm-hmm. intuition, right, that mm-hmm. like, I know we're not moving fast enough, or I know oh, yeah. this is not pointed in the direction that it needs to be pointed in. And I don't always have uh, really good suggestions on how to get that back on track, right? And, and actually, but. our playbook would say that's a good thing. You shouldn't always have the answers. Like going back to chapter five, that's, that's right. actually a great opportunity to start asking questions and practicing active listening. That's right. To yeah, I mean, I think it's very healthy in our playbook would show in chapter seven, it's very healthy to call out like, hey, there's something that's not headed in the right direction here. Yeah. And like ask a specific question to prompt the conversation around that. So I think the differences here are really in the context, right? In mm-hmm. a one-on-one, right? We just talked about like, hey, for those verbal processors, like mm-hmm. that is a safe space mm-hmm. to give them room to process that out loud, right? Mm-hmm. And offer suggestions or, you know, push or probe on certain things that they're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, those situations are really great ways to identify maybe gaps mm-hmm. in their knowledge or understanding, mm-hmm. or maybe a belief that is just incorrect, mm-hmm. and you can redirect that. And, 
you know, a big part of it is how do they want that feedback delivered, mm. right? And so this one particular child um, <laughs> who will remain nameless um, because, yeah, my, di- my kids actually do like search stuff up and like listen <laughs> to and watch things. And I don't, I'm really surprised by that sometimes. Um, they're learning how to be great leaders from your podcast. Episodes. I'm sure that's not why they're doing it. Um, I think it's probably just to make fun of pictures or yeah. something that's out there on the interwebs. But the seeds are planted. They're hearing your good words. And so we had this particular situation where one of our children really just felt like they were getting crapped on, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And really, it kind of came down to they didn't want to be called out in front of other people, Mm -hmm. right? Even if it was their siblings, Mm -hmm. right? It It was really just a situation where it's like... And we were able to process that together and say, how would you like us to address that? And, oh, by the way, when we have addressed that individually in the past, here is how you've responded or reacted. So we didn't feel like that was an effective strategy. So that feels really fresh and and personal to me right now. And that's literally one of the practical tips in the playbook is don't give constructive feedback in a group. There you go. Give it one-on-one. That's right. And so... I think that also kind of comes into play, uh, feedback in general, but I think especially sensitivity to uh, corrective or constructive feedback, right? Mm-hmm. But I think um, that definitely that definitely is another thing that plays a, plays a role in giving good and constructive feedback is really understanding the circumstances and mm-hmm. uh, what are the specific needs of this individual mm-hmm. relative to maybe uh, another person on your team. Totally, yeah. I have some people that I know I can... It, it can be a quick conversation and I have other people where I know they're going to, they're going to feel it deeper. And so how I word it and what environment I create around it, all of that is really important. And it's not because they're little sissies. It's because like they're wired in a very unique way and that's the most effective way I can lead them. <laughs> little sissies. Well, I mean, that's I know my, that I'm just sensitive <laughs> to also some people are like, just stop wasting your time. Like this is feedback, be a grown up. But right. it's like, yeah. that's, that's also ignoring some of their strengths that they have. If you, if you that's approach right. everyone in the same way. Another thing that I think is really important to call out about feedback is, um, the poop sandwich, which it's normally got a different word, not poop, but the poop sandwich. This is a really technical. It's a technical podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's a, this is a known technique. You're going to know it as soon as I say. Unfortunately, it. if you read this chapter, there is more <laughs> technical language. We just have chosen to edit. So we have we have kids, and yes. <laughs> this is how we speak to our kids. Yes. So you know the poop sandwich. It's lem- I have something hard to say to you. So I'm going to say, hey, you did a great job. Hey, this thing needs to improve, and also you're great. Yeah, it's the like positive, negative, positive, mm-hmm. and what what what's wrong with that? It's softening the blow. What's the challenge with that, Darren? That's still poop sandwich. <laughs> it's You're still, still poop in the poop. <laughs> The problem with it is people start to know that that's coming, and they don't take any of your positive feedback to heart. Yeah. They don't actually follow that. And another shout out to Russ Laraway from Five the book. Five to one ratio. Yeah, from the book um, When They Win, You Win. Great book on how to be a great manager. And he found that if you give positive feedback five times more than you give constructive feedback, that's actually the perfect ratio to actually guide behavior that's to right. where it's the most effective. And so that's, that's an important thing is when it comes to feedback, what you're really trying to do is unleash your people to be their best, right? And like help them advance their careers, help them do their best work. Yeah. And 
a big part of that is just reinforcing where they're already crushing it. Well, the funny thing is too, like it's not just a five to one ratio. It's mm -hmm. also about like if the only time you're giving them positive constructive feedback is right before a negative one. Oh yeah. You know, even if you're doing the five to one ratio thing, Mm -hmm. if it's only happening Mm -hmm. around those scenarios, Mm -hmm. then like you've eroded trust Mm -hmm. and you know, Russ talks in, in his book, too, about the like how the brain reacts and responds. Like, you know, they've actually put sensors and the brain lights up in certain areas that mm-hmm. are basically fear responses. Yeah. And so, like, it just mutes or completely overwhelms, right, the positive feedback that you're giving. So, mm-hmm. like, that's really the other piece of it. It's not just a five-to-one ratio. Mm-hmm. It's about, like, are you doing it in these times where there isn't constructive feedback so that you're building this bank of trust and yeah. goodwill? Yeah. And that's we haven't talked much about that all of this is towards being a reliable and trusted source Mm -hmm. or a coach right yeah to your people and if that trust and that reliability isn't there then they're not going to be able to hear hard feedback and hear the you know the potential avenues to change and and move in a different direction yeah because you've shortcut it or you're you've you've kind of short-circuited that's the word i'm looking for um all the positives which i think is really important because as managers we can have weight on our shoulders and we can feel stressed and we sometimes just want to be like you must move faster (laughs) we gotta go you know but that's not actually going to get people to move faster and um what what really works best is creating that safe space reinforcing specifically the good things that that are helpful and that you want to see more of and that they will their career will advance if they continue to lean into those good things and then you have that trust built for when there's something that needs to be corrected or improved people can actually that's right listen to that and another thing i said in there which we haven't broken apart yet is the importance of specificity so not a hey good job that was great thanks yeah or you could have done better with that oh my gosh how confusing is that yeah uh (laughs) what part (laughs) (laughs) so uh i'll just end it there and give a plug for go check out the playbook because we give specific examples of how to be specific and i i hope that it is a helpful resource to people out there who are in leadership whether you are in a position of leadership high mid, low, or you just don't even have official authority yet inside of a business, you're always influencing. So go download the playbook. Darren, congratulations on your first appearance of People Are Complicated. I mean, you've been doing this for a while. I feel like it's, I'm, I'm bummed this is the first time I've had a chance to, to be on this. <laughs> Starring on your very own company's podcast, <laughs> People Are Complicated. Thanks, Darren. Thanks. That's all we've got for you this time. Thank you for tuning in to People Are Complicated. I'm your host, Kirsten Moorfield. If you are enjoying this podcast, please tell your friends, leave us a review, help more people find it because we believe that we're all human and we all can grow from a better understanding of ourselves and each other at work. So if it's helpful to you, please help other people find the podcast. Tune in next time as we dig more into the tensions we all experience at work and how those moments can guide us to actually having better relationships at work and doing more impactful work that we're actually proud of. We believe that every team can love working together, including your team. So go to cloverleaf.me to sign up for a free trial where you can have unlimited teammates, take free personality assessments, and see how those assessments turn into daily coaching nudges in your inbox to transform the way you work. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.